Welcome to the Practical Mystic Show, where we bring you simple tips and techniques from around the globe to help practical people deal with extraordinary experiences. And now, your favorite scientist, shaman, and sacred clown, and also the show's host, Janine Bolin. Hi, this is Janine Bolin with the Practical Mystic Show, and today I am joined by not only an author, but also a fellow mystic by the name of Krista Berry, and you may have seen her floating around on LinkedIn and Facebook. If you've seen anything, she is also one of those people who really is incredibly generous with her time, with her advice, and you may be like, well, that's fine, but you know, everybody has free advice these days, and I'm like, yeah, but are they as positive thinking as Krista? I don't think so. In case you hadn't seen her book, it's called Beautiful Badass, How to Believe in Yourself Against the Odds. Now, I don't know about you, but as a mystic, there's a lot of things that happen to me that put me in a total place of self-questioning. I'm insane. Maybe I should get an MRI. I mean, because I think I have a tumor growing in my brain because I'm seeing things, I'm hearing things, I'm experiencing things that those people around me are not, such as I see squirrels, the squirrels look at me and I swear to goodness, I'm hearing their thoughts or, you know, whatever it is, you know, whether you have dead people coming to you, chatting to you, whatever your mystic ability is on this show, we've talked about it all. And so today, Krista is going to talk to us a little bit about how she was able to get to a place in her life where she was able to believe in herself, even when the rest of the world, as far as she was concerned, uh, really disagreed with her perspective on reality. So, Krista, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Janine. It is just always a pleasure to have a conversation with you, and I'm so glad to be here and talk to you more about my spiritual, my mystic journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is quite the story. To me, it's the story behind the story, which is always my favorite thing to talk about. You have a lot of things where people are doing marketing or helping sell a book or they have an online program, but the the story that inspired them to want to share that knowledge with the rest of a community to me is what's important. So kind of take us away. Tell us about what inspired Beautiful Badass and talk to us a little bit about the beginnings of your mystic uh, journey. Absolutely. So, you know, a little bit about what inspired me to write the book that I did. You know, I, at the time that I started writing my book, I had a career coaching practice and, you know, everyone, all the advice was like, write a book about career coaching or about career transition or about business or something. And that just wasn't the book I wanted to write. And I've had this experience so many times in my life where I get this intuitive hit and I just know that like, this is what I meant to do. And I can't always explain it to people. I can't always say like, this is why and articulate. So I wrote the book that I really wanted to write at the time um, and not the book that, that was really followed a lot of the traditional advice as far as like what would build up my business. And so Beautiful Badass, How to Believe in Yourself Against the Odds was originally inspired by many conversations and many experiences that I had had either reading books or sitting in rooms, listening to speakers, following, you know, thought leaders on social media and feeling disconnected from the advice that I was hearing. And for me, it was particularly because I grew up in childhood poverty. It was pretty extreme at times. Uh, There was a lot of mental illness in my family, alcoholism, all kinds of things going on in my family. And as someone who has experienced a 
lesser level of privilege than some, of course, not everyone. Um, but I noticed that so many of these speakers and authors and thought leaders were really sharing their knowledge from a place of privilege and not even realizing that they were doing so, not even realizing that the advice that they were giving is actually great advice, but it's so much more effective if you happen to match that level's that that person's level of privilege, right? And if you're coming from a different level of privilege, then that advice may not be as effective for you or effective at all. And so that was what inspired me to write the book that I wrote. And again, it came back to like my intuition of like, you know, I could write a book that would really in a very direct and obvious way lead into the career coaching business, but that isn't what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about this idea of like, how do you move forward? How do you make progress? How do you create a level of fulfillment and joy and success in your life, no matter what your circumstances are? And to really acknowledge some of those situational barriers and to really acknowledge that we might not all have the same abilities. And so I'm not gonna be the person who's gonna sit here and tell you, hey, if I can do this, anyone can do it. Because I recognize, you know, even looking at my own family and noticing how, you know, my sisters and I grew up in the exact same household and I have been able to achieve things that my sisters haven't necessarily, they've found it harder to do. And so, you know, it goes beyond just mindset. It goes beyond just, you know, you can do anything as a, as a message, which sounds really positive on, on the outside, but, you know, can also be very demoralizing to people when they find maybe that's not true for them. So, you know, that was my, like an intuitive hit around my book and what inspired it was like this, I want to talk about this and it doesn't tie in. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do with this book. I just know that this is the book that I'm being called to write. And I think that happens with um, many of the speaking speakers. There have been many times I've been called into areas or groups where I looked around the room and I realized that I needed to totally can and just put it back in my briefcase, whatever my topic was going to be about. And I had to open up with Q&A because I had to get to know the audience a little bit more. And I was like, how many of you came to this seminar and you rode public transportation? How many of you had to walk and you've been walking all morning to get here? Because there were sometimes I was in incredibly impoverished areas teaching them the 60-40 principle and the debt-free living. So one of those things is listening to that intuition. So let's get back to some of those amazing stories where, you know, you talk about the lessons about, you know, the abuse and poverty and all that. And we could spend a lot of time talking about that and sharing those stories. But to me, the Practical Mystic Show is talking about we're starting off in places that is impasse, even if you're in a what would be considered upper middle class home and you live in suburbia, it still can be a nightmare for you because you're an empath. You're dealing with drug addictions that are in your family, but you're not allowed to talk about it because you want to keep up the prestige. The family, the family requires you to keep up the prestige. It's just as much a hell as being in college, unable to feed yourself, but knowing that the only way you're going to get increase your socioeconomic level is by staying there and making sure you get your analytical biochemistry degree. Yeah, that was me. Okay. So it was a race between starvation and graduation. So I feel I can talk to poverty, not so much abuse, not alcoholism. I, I didn't have that, but I can speak to having to ride public transportation, 
transportation to where I want to go because I sold my car, sold my horse, sold everything I own to get my college education. So it just depends on where we're starting off. Mm -hmm. So let's talk to you a little bit about, yeah, you went through the ringer too. However, there was a spirituality that was guiding you, if you will, uh, the guiding hand uh, that was helping you through that. Let's talk about how you tap into that, even at moments of great darkness where it's 2.30 in the morning, you're waking up in a sweat, you have no idea how you're going to pay the bills, but you know, you still have this little light in your heart that you don't know why you should even be feeling optimistic. <laughs> because if you would look at your life with, quote, quote, reality, your life sucks, according to everybody around you, but you're happier than you've ever been. Let's talk about a little bit of that spirituality, if you don't mind. Yes, I would love to speak to that because you know, I think that there is something about being an empath and I've always been highly sensitive and I have a, a little bit of psychic ability here and there. And, you know, there's something about being so sensitive. It makes some of these hard situations very, very painful because I felt it on such a deep level, but at the same time, you know, you can't, the, the pain can't exist without the joy, Right if you are a truly open spiritual person, both are present and both, you welcome both into your life. And so there's this level of, yes, I felt all of that struggle and I felt it so deeply, but I also felt the possibility and the opportunities. And one of the stories I wrote in my book is talking about this clarifying moment I had when I was about eight years old, that I my alcoholic father had just been on one of his, you know, ragers and um, was telling me, you know, that I was a piece of shit and would never amount to anything. And, you know, that kind of thing. And I had this moment that I decided like eight years old, that this was not the life that I chose for myself. And that when I got older, I was going to create something different where did this come from? Where did this idea there there's, this was not from outside influences. You know, I believe that that was totally a moment of spiritual alignment and of recognizing my own power and recognizing my own attunement to what was possible, even though there was nothing in front of me that said, Hey, Krista, this is possible. You can actually create a better life for yourself. There was no external evidence of that. I truly believe that that was like a divine idea that came into my mind of like, I can create something different for myself. And from that moment on, even though I was very, very young, I actually really started to explore all these different options and look at, you know, any tool or resource, any different way of living or being I was curious about. I was reading books. I read so, so many books as as a young girl, I mean, even, even seven, eight, nine, I was reading tons of books. And by the time I was a teenager, I was reading on average, you know, a novel a week or a nonfiction book a week, you know, just reading, 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 um, exploring different religions, like talking to all my friends in high school about their religion and going to their different services with them just to try to find like, where do I fit in this? I can remember too, I would go to this spiritual store in Lakewood, Colorado when I was a teenager. And I would just stay, sit in that store for hours and just like soak in the energy of the store and flip through the books. I couldn't really afford to buy much of anything. I think occasionally I bought a book here or a book there, but you know, I would just feel the energy and it was 
so much possibility. Like it, I really can create something different. So let's go back to this um, think positive because you hear that a lot, especially in the metaphysical community and the mystical community. When you start defining yourself as spiritual but not religious, you know, you're having to step out of a box that's been pretty hard, defi- hard, you know, very defined, very hard, very defined, very structured uh, place, right? So now you find yourself in what I like to talk about, loosey-goosey, you know, it's a very flow-oriented, think positive, everything's going to work out, you create your own reality. Now, I'm not saying all that isn't true. It's true. It's true. You can create your own reality, but if you're coming from that really structured place and then all of a sudden you have all this freedom, it's difficult to sit there and just think positive thoughts. And one of the things that you talk about in your book is like, okay, what we're going to do is stop falling prey to the hardships that really defined you in your past. So you're not one of these people that say, oh, just think positive, everything will come out all right. You're not. You're one of these people that you're very defined about, okay, yeah, you went through hardships. So how do you crack that nut (laughs) open of don't allow it to define you anymore? Can you give us one little example in your own life where you had that moment of, I'm not going to define myself by this hardship? Yeah. So there's so many times that I've faced this over and over again. And, and you're right. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a disruptor at times. I think spiritually, like that's a spiritual thing, right? Like I'm a disruptor. I feel like I, I can really be a disruptor and speak truths that other people don't see or are afraid to say out loud. And I will come in and say, like, this is a truth. And from the perspective of really having a positive attitude and positive thinking and like gratitude practices and all of that, I'm a hundred percent all about those things. And I acknowledge that it's not, in my opinion, coming from a spiritual place to only acknowledge the good, to only recognize the good and to not be real about what is actually in front of you. And so I've experienced that so many times over where you're, you're writing that balance of like, yes, I choose to like a gratitude practice is a great one. I have a gratitude practice daily that I've done for many, many years and if you're friends with me on Facebook, you, you will probably notice that most days I actually post my gratitude list on Facebook every day. It's part of my ritual. And as I started to develop this gratitude practice many, many years ago, it was very much in the space of I'm not closing my eyes to the struggles and challenges. I am merely choosing to focus on the gratitude, because as someone who has experienced a lot of trauma and hardship, I can be attuned. My body is attuned, like my physical body, my spirit, my mind, my emotions are attuned to looking out for the negative where things can go wrong. That was a survival mechanism that I learned growing up. And so this gratitude practice was very much about learning to attune to the positive learning to attune to as many good things that were present as my life, as it was so easy for me to attune to the challenges and the hardships. And so we're not saying these hardships don't exist. These challenges don't exist. Everything's great. It's just about attuning to those good things with the same energy and the same, you know, ability that I can so easily, you know, go to the worst case scenario or notice all of the ways that things might fall apart, for example. 
Well, and that's one of the things I absolutely loved about in your book. It's this little tiny quote, and it doesn't seem like much, but to me, it's everything. It's like, it's like your foundation. It's like, do it messy, do it imperfectly, do it little by little, day by day. So talk to us a little, you know, go ahead and expound on that. Instead of doing a little bit day by day, go ahead and expound a bit on doing it messy, doing it imperfectly. You know, growing up, I was a perfectionist and I wrote about this in my book. I was like this teeny tiny, cruel little perfectionist, only cruel to myself. I did not hold anyone else to the standard that I held myself to. And it was one of the qualities that actually helped me overcome a lot of my past at the same time that many times it also deeply wounded me. And so this idea of like, do it messy, do it imperfectly. Like I had to give myself permission to step out of that perfection and, and just move forward. And, you know, this even came up for me writing my book, like my first draft of my book, I kept getting stuck over and over again. And that perfectionism that was so familiar to me would kind of creep in. And then I just made the decision one day that I was like, this is not, this first draft is not my final book. This is my shitty first draft. And that's how I thought of it. And I was like, my job is to write a shitty first draft. <laughs> and that's all I have to do. This doesn't have to be good. In fact, I want it to be shitty. It's just about getting some of these initial ideas on paper and getting it out there and getting it down. And then I can hone and tweak and do rewrites where I need to. So very much that experience of like, you know, don't wait, like done is better than perfect. Just get started. Just do the next step that's in front of you. Do the next thing and give yourself permission to do it messy. Because what happens for me is when I really give myself permission to like do it messy, to do it ugly, when I put that out there that like set that intention for myself, okay, I'm going to try this new thing and I'm going to try it as messy as I can. Oh, all of a sudden the creative doors open because like perfectionism and creativity don't really go hand in hand. <laughs> and so it was like, oh, well, if I'm trying to do it messy, if it's totally okay to make mistakes, in fact, if it's encouraged to make mistakes, now I can approach whatever this thing is that I'm trying to do with so much more openness and playfulness and curiosity and less of that restriction that the perfectionism of my youth really put in place for me. And a lot of empaths struggle with that because of that perfectionism. And it's only because they're trying to avoid pain, right? You don't, you want to be as perfect as possible so nobody can find fault with you so you can avoid pain. So when you really understand that, it is incredibly helpful to help you loosen up a little bit. This is why I love the Magic School Bus and Miss Frizzle and all her wonderful, colorful clothes was because she was all about making things messy and making mistakes and really was helpful when my children were being raised. So Speaking of all that, let's talk a little bit about self-care because this is big in the spiritual and mystical communities. You're hearing this over and over again, self-care this, self-care that. And honestly, there were times where I really have no idea what people are talking about because they're talking about, okay, it means, you know, you're not supposed to be surviving, that you're thriving and you're building personal resources to live a better life. This is a quote right out of your book where you say, self-care goes beyond taking care of your health. It's going from surviving to thriving to building the personal resources to live a better life. Now, somebody like myself, who is a real go-getter, is a manifester, and I am happiest when I am working. 
Okay, because I don't see it as work. I, f- I see it as creating, right, the creative process. Um, and then I have somebody else come along and says, you know what, you really need to work on your self-care. And I think to myself, how would you know? Okay, I have a tendency to get very defensive. I'll be very upfront about that. Like, how would you know? And they're like, well, you work yourself to death. I'm like, okay, you're misinterpreting my joy, which is my work, which I have built this life. Now, it's taken me 30 years, girlfriend, to get to this level. You know, and so... Help us, if you would, please, Krista, how to define what is somebody else's judgment of you as an empath, where they're thinking you need self-care, and what is true self-care, because you talk about this beautifully in your book. Yeah, and you know, as far as other people's opinion, it's a lesson that I have really learned with a lot of pain is that other people's opinions of me is none of my business. You know, it's so, so much more about where they're at in relation to their own experience in their life than it is about me and mine. And as someone who is a disruptor, you know, people have a lot of opinions about the things that I say, and I have just learned to trust my truth and to be aligned to my higher purpose and my higher good. And that doesn't mean that sometimes other people's opinions don't sting and and that I don't feel that momentary, you know, my ego gets hurt a little bit, but when I am waking up every day and I'm really am in that place of alignment with my higher good and my higher purpose, it matters less what other people say, but on the topic of self-care, you know, this is such an expansive topic because there's the the more commonly thought of self-care, which is like bubble baths or manicures or massages, which is really pampering and pampering can be a layer of self-care, but guess what else can be self-care? Doing things you love, right? Whatever that is, creating can be self-care. I mean, you can take care of your physical and mental health wellness, take care of your spiritual needs. Like those are some basic self-care, but creating, fulfilling your purpose, Those are also self-care. Like I think I've known people and I have been people. I can work 20 hours a week and be burned out, stressed out and have terrible self-care. But I can also, when I'm really aligned with my higher purpose and my higher good, I can work 50 or 60 hours a week and not be stressed out, burned out because it's all about the approach and the things that I'm doing. And it, like you said, if it brings you joy, if it lights you up, if it adds to your, if it fills up your bucket in any way, then it probably is some version of self-care and you get to define what that is for you because everyone is different. And so what works for someone else isn't going to be what works for you. And it's totally okay to define that for yourself. So, you know, I really get into detail in this, in my book, I've got like the basics of self-care and then it's like self-care beyond the basics. And I encourage anyone who's listening to really be in tune with yourself. I mean, we're talking about mystics here. Everyone who's listening to this has intuition. Everyone in the world has intuition, but some of us have learned to hone it and develop it more. And so you are so wise, All every person listening, you are so wise. And you know so much more than you probably give yourself credit for. And so tune into that wisdom for yourself and know, is this serving me or is this not serving me? And do more of what serves you because that is a form of self-care. Absolutely. 
And thank you for bringing that back to where I wanted, which was right back to everyone's own personal power. Whether you meditate or your form of meditation is journaling. I have seen people who do walking meditations like or running. Whatever your form of meditation is, make sure you're really catering to that. And I know that we've been through a lot. And so a lot of people's outlets for that haven't been there. So we had to adapt and we had to figure out new ways of, of doing things to put us in that great space. And just to share with you a little bit, I, I found out for me it was hand sewing. I used to do a lot of uh, small little dolls and stuff like that when I was much younger. I hadn't done a lot of hand sewing. I was, I'm on machines now because, you know, I want to get it down quick and, and, and move on to my next project because, you know, I always have that next 50 projects I want to work on, right? And I'm going to die before I finish all my projects. But one of the things that really was interesting to me was how I, I didn't want to do cross stitch. I didn't want to do any of those handcrafts, but hand sewing little pieces together and doing little tiny pictures with applique was what I found joy in. And I started making sure I did that an hour a day. So just, uh, it was shocking to me because that's not my normal operating mode, you know? So that's something I learned about myself. So whatever your new thing is, I definitely want you to investigate that and also uh chat it up with krista krista is great like she said she's a disruptor if you ever feel like you're getting a little dusty and that you know what my thought patterns i'm just cycling i'm I, it's the same thing i'm thinking about over and over again you need a krista in your life to like kind of gently say hey let's let's polish this table a little bit let's look at this a little cl clearer with that so krista how does somebody get a hold of you to be able to have a phone call with you and help you uh dust off some of their old thought patterns absolutely so you can um check out my website it's kristaberry.com c-h-r-y-s-t-a-b-a-i-r-r-e so it's spelled a little unusual, but kristaberry.com is where you can find me and you can connect with me there. You can find me on all my social channels. You can find out more about the book and all of that. And I would really, I love having conversations with people about these topics. I love sharing these ideas because it not only benefits, I know the people that I'm talking to, but it also benefits me. Every conversation with every person that I have about these things, it reminds me of my own truth. It reaffirms my own alignment to my higher purpose. It puts me in a better place mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually when I get to have conversations like that with other people. And so I really recommend that if you want to learn a little bit more about Krista, go out and purchase a copy of her book, Beautiful Badass, How to Believe in Yourself Against the Odds, uh, especially if you find yourself in a state of transition in your life and you're trying to figure out what is the next place for me to go and how on earth am I going to fit into this new dynamic? She is somebody who has had to do that multiple, multiple times in her life, and she will be able to help you out with that. Uh, Krista, anything else you want to share with us before we go today? Absolutely. So one thing I really like to say often, as often as I possibly get the opportunity to say it, is to remind everyone listening that you are enough and you do enough. So I'll say that again. You are enough. You do enough. And there is absolutely nothing more you need to do or be. Right, right. And a lot of times it seems it's life's objective to help us forget that. And so thank you for being there to help us remember that. So thank you so much for being on the show with us today, Krista. I appreciate you. Thank you.
And this is Janine Boland with the Practical Mystic Show. And I want to remind you, keep your feet firmly on the ground while you're reaching for those stars. And don't forget to journal and meditate because that is what keeps you in your alignment. And the more people we have in alignment, the less we have fighting. So thank you so much for helping us move one step closer to that world peace thing. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next Friday. This has been the Practical Mystic Show with Janine Boland. For show notes, resources, and more, visit the eightgates.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.